What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Just Friends. I'm your host, Mitchell Embry. And this week, I was joined in the studio by my friend and my cousin, Mr. Matt Slusser. Some of you guys might already know Matt. Maybe you went to college with him. Maybe you went to high school with him. But I knew him first. He was my cousin. He's about three months older than me. And we spent a lot of time together when we were super young. He was definitely one of my first friends. And it was really fun to get the chance to sit down and have a long conversation with him. We're a whole lot older now, and uh, we've changed a lot, as hopefully you tend to do as you get older. We spend a lot of time now in similar circles, because as many of you know, Matt is now married to his wife Amanda, formerly Amanda Ford, sister of the infamous Casey Ford. So that's been kind of a cool little thing. Casey's at some of the family functions now, which I absolutely love. But talking to Matt was really fun. You know, sometimes you don't realize with your family members just how much where you come from informs who you are and the experiences that you have. And so you'll notice that Matt and I relate on a lot of things as we go through this conversation. You know, it occurs to me it's probably the longest he and I have ever sat and talked at one time, which is really cool. I had a blast making the podcast. I think it turned out really great. And I think you guys are going to enjoy listening to it. Now, I've been told we look alike, which is definitely true. We're chubby, we're pale, we're blonde. Turns out we sound a whole lot alike as well. So be prepared for that. Guys, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, take a second real quick, please, and give us a rating and a review. Five stars if you don't mind. Say something nice about us. And now, without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce to you my cousin, and our friend, Mr. Matt Slusser. We'll be fortunate if I don't hit my face on this at some point. Oh, everybody does. <laughs> everybody does. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten pretty used to it. I mean, having a microphone in your face is, if you've never done that before, is a um, it's an intimidating experience. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> I have video. Uh, I've got video of Amanda doing karaoke. The only time I've ever seen her do karaoke. And uh, it took a lot of convincing and, uh, you know, a little little liquid courage to get her to get her there. But, you know, the first time the first time I did it, like I was pretty intoxicated and, you know, but then after that, like it's, it's something that you start to get more comfortable with. And I guess I've also, you know, I mean getting more comfortable in your own skin too. I mean, as you get older, like you just care less about yeah. what people think about you and, and what other people think. And you're thinking, I want to sing this song and it's fun. And, you know, and the guy that got in, got up in front of me was really terrible anyway. So mm-hmm. I can't be any worse than that guy. I mean, you sang Hell's Bells at church on that Halloween service. And there was probably a, a bunch of people there. I mean, it was a Halloween service. So it was like one of the bigger services that we usually that do. That place was packed. Yeah. It was, it was really, yeah. I was... Um, I was quite nervous. I mean, not nearly as bad as my first Sunday when I was playing drums. That was, that was awful. Like the, I, I, I got done with it and I was like, I'm done. And Amanda's like, yeah, nobody could hear your drums. You were playing so quietly the whole time. <laughs> I could hear them. But I was standing right in front of you. I was going to say you were right there. You know, you've got, I'll say this, you've gotten much better. It's been an obvious progression. And right now, the band is in 
a kind of a sweet spot is James Griffin's right now. I love him. I he, love him to death. He knows. I know. And he doesn't have time no. to play bass. He, the man, I mean, like I saw him two days ago at getting, they were getting their haircut at my mom's shop and mm-hmm. Sarah and I went to Longhorns and we stopped by. Yeah. And he was working there. I yeah. mean, I, I'm certain that he's always working. So I'm not bragging on James. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like when there is a good bass player found to take that spot who has the time to like, not to say James isn't a good bass player, but when somebody has the time to really invest in learning the music. Right. The band sounds good right now. Yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, and I know, I mean, James is, he's put multiple messages out on Facebook. He's like, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, you know, not that he doesn't enjoy it, but he wants to take that load off. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I would too. yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, yeah. He's handling it perfectly. He is having fun with it. Yeah. And sometimes he sounds really good. He had a thing going on in a song last week where he really did have the part figured out. But he has a tendency to do too much, but he's he's, he's jamming. Yeah, he's just having he's fun. He's grooving, and I, I'm glad for him. Yeah. But Ryder is good. Where did he come from? James. Mm. James knows him. He knows his family. Last Late last year, when we had that Sunday where nobody was going to be here, it was going to be like, me, it was. It was I was good. on my honeymoon, wasn't I? Yeah, you were gone. Barry was gone. Uh, I think you know, Grace was gone. I think I don't know if that was before Hannah had come back or you know Hannah was gone. I I mean, there, there was nobody. Um, that was when Cheryl was still there, I think, and Cheryl wasn't going to be there. I mean, we had nobody. Mm-hmm. Nobody was going to be there. And uh, and I told James, <laughs> I told James, I was like, well, I'll pull out my guitar. I'm terrible. But I'll but I'll do it. I'll I'll find four songs that I can make work. That was gutsy, and, man. That's gutsy and uh, fortunately, mm. I was a little I was a little frustrated at the time because it's one of those situations where I can put myself out there, and if I if I put myself in a situation where I've committed to something and I know that I have to do it, then I'll put in the effort and put in the time, and I'll do it well. And as well I, as you can, at least, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, as well as I can. And I knew that that was what was, you know, that was kind of what I was going to have to do. And uh, um, so at the time, I was a little frustrated, but then, you know, Ryder came in and it filled in that Sunday and he did a really good job. And it's actually worked out really well because, because he's um, been a terrific addition. Like it's really, you know, it really works. It, it works well. His, his, you know, the dynamic he brings is really good. It brings a lot to the table. So Yeah, he's got a good personality. He's just nice. Mm-hmm. He's funny. So I like the things he says that make me laugh. And he's pretty comfortable up in front of people. Yeah. But he's also new. He doesn't have the privilege that that everybody else in the band and that like I had when I was up there of I know every single person out there and I have since I was like 22 that's the crazy thing i mean like how many people there we that that i mean for one i've i'm either i'm related to to several to a a large section and um and then you know there's a whole nother large segment that i've known since early college maybe in high school you know i mean um you know, a lot of your friends 
you know, that, that became my friends, you know, um, but introduced through you, you know, that whole, um, you know, that's a whole segment, Chad and all them, you know, that's, that's really like, that's a whole group of people that I knew prior to even going to the life song. And so like that, yeah, it is privileged that you, you know, you know, know the people there. Yeah. If if I said something stupid or made a fool of myself, I'm like, who in front of Casey? I've yeah. done that a million times. <laughs> I, I don't care. Yeah. No. So that's actually a really great segue because, um, you know, it is interesting how many relationships that we have through the life song. And I think a lot of that came from when we lived together. Yeah. So we really might as well just introduce you to everybody who's listening who doesn't actually already know who you are. Um, you're my cousin, Matt. Yep. We've known each other for your entire, no, my entire life I've known you and you've known me my entire life. Yes. But I missed the first like three months of yours. Thereabouts. So I was still cooking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but other than that, yeah, we've known each other forever. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like we didn't really have the opportunity to spend a ton of time together when we were young. No. Holidays. There was, we you know, spent the night mm-hmm. quite quite often. I mean, that was one of the uh, you know, things I think. Uh, my mom and your mom, you know, we would spend the night. You all would come over and spend the night over at. I all, remember spending at, the night at your all's house a lot. Yeah, and uh, you know, and and vice versa. Um, and but yeah, as we kind of that was like when we were little kids, mm-hmm. and then kind of that middle school age is kind of where that kind of cut off. Didn't spend as much time and didn't spend the night and things like that and i guess that's just kind of you know natural you're getting older and you know and and that kind of thing um but yeah no that's kind of that's what we that's what we did yeah you were i think what was happening there was our parents were using each other as babysitters (laughs) and that was fun because we could hang out oh yeah and then that went away as we got older and then we went to different schools yeah and so we didn't see each other because we were far apart and we didn't really have a way of getting to be around each other but i remember spending the nights at your place at your mom's apartment yeah um and gosh i remember having such a fun time because one you had a built-in play place which was dope and you had to share it with a bunch of other people yeah which was a little scary but uh because i was always shy as a young kid and like meeting new other kids was like frightening for me but you also had a buttload of games and we would always play games and that was fun. Oh yeah. It was a blast. And uh every Christmas, every Christmas, mom would just lay the blankets out in the living room and we'd have everyone over and watch and we watch Christmas movies. And um Christmas vacation was always mm. was always on the list and then you'd have like the Grinch and Obviously, yes. Yeah. I remember watching movies as a being a big part of our, like our childhood, your mom would take us to, she'd take us somewhere and she'd buy us one of like out of those little bins, like a $1 movie or however much they were. I don't know how much they are, like the $5 DVDs, but at the time it was a VHS. Yeah. And, uh, we'd take it home and we'd watch those movies and you'd always get like a King Kong maybe, or Godzilla was like your favorite, I think. Yeah. And I was, I never knew what to get, but I remember watching those movies with you and it was fun. I owned. I think almost every Godzilla movie that had come out at the time. Some of them I owned twice because they, when they Americanized the movies, they would, <laughs> they would give it like three different titles mm-hmm. and I wouldn't know it's a different movie. And so I would, I'd beg to have the same movie because I would, wouldn't even know. 
I actually think I remember that. <laughs> I remember that being a thing where like you were like, no, I do not have this movie. This is a different title. And we went back to the house and you were like, what the fuck? I'm sure you didn't say fuck because you were like, nah, but you're like, I've already got this one. This is lame. Yeah. That's funny. That That's exactly what like you would do if you were a Chinese company. You was like, watch how many times I can sell this movie to the same five-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I fell for it. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? So where did, but we didn't go to the same schools. Where did you go to elementary school? So I went to Hartstern Elementary, which is like nestled in behind Jefferson Mall over there off Outer Loop and Preston. And um, nobody would even know that it's there because, especially now that they've built a new shopping center right there on the Outer Loop, you literally can't see it. It doesn't, It you can't see it from the road. So you don't mm-hmm. even know that it exists. You just go back in the subdivision and turn in and it's it's there and um i mean it was kind of cool because being right there next to the mall we would we would get like our treats if we did good on tests and stuff would be to go to applebee's and eat or go to the mall food court and eat and that uh, is cool yeah but it was it was just hidden back there i don't think i've even heard of it other than like hearing you talk about it honestly like when I, cause I worked in JCPS for a while. And so like you would hear, I would meet teachers who worked. I don't think I ever met a teacher that worked there or anything. I ended up going back when I was in high school. Um, I was in a club, um, key club and we did different service projects and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's a, the high school version of the Kiwanis club and, um, went back and did some sort of educational program. I really can't remember what it was, but we went back there and uh, a couple of the counselors and teachers were still there and they remembered me. And I was thinking I felt really bad because I didn't remember them, (laughs) but I was also like, you know, eight years old at the time. And like the only thing I was remembering was my favorite Pokemon. Uh, (laughs) I remember some of my teachers from elementary school. Well, no, I remember one Miss Mayfield, but that's it. I remember a few of mine. Amazingly, the ones I remember were the ones that would get mad at me and I'd get in trouble. That's why I remember them. <laughs> and that's why I remember them. Yeah. Because I, did, I didn't like it. Of course. Oh, God. I, I used to hate. I was such. I'm still such a people pleaser. It's like the worst thing about me, I think. Yeah. And I, like when people are unhappy with me, oh, it drives me insane. I get I get that from my mom, I think. Uh-huh. I um. You definitely do because I get it from mine. Yeah. My, my mom will just. She. She will do her. She just wants to make people happy. And I mean, she will do whatever it takes, you know, mm-hmm. and then, then I kind of I picked up on that from her. And that's um, it's a really good trait that has some significant drawbacks at times. Yeah. But but yeah. Yeah. My, as a hairdresser, my mom. It benefits her because yeah. it makes her a great like person in the service industry she'll do she'll go out of her way for her clients but sometimes it drives her insane and she'll just be like really upset because she had to do all this extra stuff i'm like mom you didn't have to do that but then i'm the same way though yeah i will do i will go above and beyond to try to make this person happy and then i'll be really annoyed if at the end of it they don't like like what happened and i'm like i did that to myself (laughs) i did that to myself but it's yeah you're right it's learned behavior so you were who? Who else went to Hearthstone? Anybody that I would know? 
I don't think so. Yeah. Um, when I went to Hartstone, um, so it was very close to my mom's apartment. That's why it was uh, my home school. My parents put me in uh, Boy Scouts and put me in the Scout troop that was right there mm. next to it. And so a lot of them, my friends from Scouts, were also going to Hartstone. And so I had friends that were in school from Scouts. But when I went to middle school, no one came along with me. No one went. No one came along with me to Newburgh, so I didn't know anyone. You know, it's interesting that you say you're in Boy Scouts. I remember going to an event with you guys when we were young. It was like a, a, a wood cart derby or whatever it's called. Yeah, um, pine cart, pine cart derby, uh, pine wood derby, pine wood derby. Yeah, you get a block and you carve it. And uh, I remember one year. Um, we, me and my dad always put a ton of effort into our cars because. So you did one and he did one? Um, or would you just do sometimes, a bunch? Sometimes we would do six or seven or eight because we had, we would display them just, just for fun. I mean, it was just, it was fun. And, um, one of my friends, Glenn, his dad had a woodwork, had a woodworking business. And so he had a full on wood shop in his garage. And so we had access to, all the tools you would need to make an awesome car. And uh, it was really nice because we would set up a day and have anyone from the troop could come and carve their cars out in his wood shop. And so whenever we showed up to like a district competition, we always had the best looking cars because ours were professionally woodworked. But, um, you know, but still you would have kids that would show up. And I remember one time this kid showed up and he literally didn't even carve his block of wood. So it was literally a just rectangular block of wood he nailed the axles in didn't do any of the um treatments to the axles that they recommend and you know put a little graphite on them but i mean didn't do any treatments and he beat me and wow. i was so angry <laughs> i was so angry because i'd put all this time in and my car looked really really cool i mean i painted it to look like pikachu so i thought it was i thought it was awesome and um yeah it 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 lost to his car and I was I was really upset because he put in like five minutes of effort and I put in tens of hours of effort and my mm. car was terrible. I was never in anything like that. I think the main thing was because I didn't have nobody would take me. Nobody would take me. And like uh and I didn't make a big deal about wanting to go. So my parents were like, Oh, we just won't we won't make him do that if he doesn't want to do it. My parents wanted me to get out and, and do activities. And so I tried a lot of activities. I really wanted to do football. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that, uh, never materialized, mm -hmm. but I did Cub Scouts. I did T-ball. I lasted to machine pitch. And, th <laughs> and then, then they're like, Oh, you're going to go to kid pitch. And I'm thinking I can barely hit the, hit the ball when the machine is throwing it to the same spot every time mm -hmm. I could barely hit it when it was on a T and it was stationary. This is not a, this is not a sport that I want to continue playing. Um, but Cub Scouts was Cub Scouts and karate were the two that really like I stuck with. And, and honestly, when we went to Boy Scouts, my troop was pretty awful. Our Cub Scout troop was great, but mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of bailed on that and then, um, you know, just stuck with the karate for, uh, for a while. So what determines a Cub Scout troop? Is it like where you live or is it just like associated with schools? 
Or is it just a group of people that you put together as friends? So the district level, because you have, you have like national Cub Scouts, and then you have state level, and then you have district dif- districts, and then you have troops. And the troops have to they have to register with the district and and so on, you know, up the chain. So it's really organized. But you get a you a troop is kind of assigned. I think you just apply honestly to 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 be a troop, and there's not like an area. Um, but most of the people generally choose the troop that's in their area because you want to. You don't want to drive all the way across town. Yeah. So um, it makes sense. Yeah. So the troop I chose, I I think we heard about it through some a program at my elementary school, and so I mean, like it it made sense. Um, you know, one of the troop leaders actually was, uh, a counselor at our school, and so it made sense to to go to that troop and and spend time with kids that I went to school with anyway. Another thing I remember about our childhood. I remember playing when we were really young. Remember operate? No, it wasn't operation. Was it operation, or was it what was the one where we we played operation? But what was the one where we had to put the little yellow pieces? Perfection. Perfection. Yes. Yeah, I had perfection. The game caused me a high level of anxiety, <laughs> and it was it basically what that game was for me was like a can I beat my own anxiety basically because I was like oh this motherfucker's gonna explode any minute <laughs> it's gonna explode any minute right in my face yeah but then I got used to things exploding in my face and it was fine <laughs> um so after Hartstern went to Newburgh you went to Newburgh yes. Farnsley, you know, the sat was the Southwest MST magnet. Ah. And then you had Mazik is the downtown MST magnet. And then Newburgh was not really east, I guess more centrally located uh magnet. There really wasn't an MST magnet out east, but you know, that was so it was the closest one for um for us. It wasn't particularly close free either of my parents, but um I remember one time in one time going there, I got I got detention for being late too many times, and I thought this is ridiculous. I have no control of what time I show up because my parents are bringing me there. Yeah, I am at the mercy of them getting me there, and um, my mom is is late. Yes, my mom is also <laughs> late. <laughs> so, so I was late too many times to school, and I remember that I went to detention. And they handed me this sheet and the sheet, the title of the sheet was something like what it's like to live in prison. <laughs> and I was, and, and the person, the, the person running the detention was like, this is what's going to happen to you if you continue down this path because you all are in detention because you're being, you know, horrific children and you all are going to go to prison if you continue down this path. And I just remember raising my hand and saying, my mom just got me to school late a couple of times. And they said, this teacher looked me straight in the face and said, and said, I'm sorry. And said, first you're late to school. Next you're doing drugs (laughs) and you're in prison. And I was like, that is a huge monumental leap. There's so many places I want to go with that. Um, the first thing I'm interested about is why did you, did you choose to go to Newburgh? Was that your decision or was that like a thing your parents decided on? So at that point, that was a, 
decision from my parents, mm-hmm. um, which it should be really. Yeah, when you're um, middle schooler, it should be. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, I'm not mature enough to make a decision, and they chose that direction for me because I was good at math and mm-hmm. I was good at science, and they said this is a you know a program that would allow me to um, focus on my strengths and. You know, give me the best opportunity to be successful moving forward. Um, it's definitely, it was definitely a great opportunity for me and it was a good fit for me, but I was miserable. Yeah. Well, middle school, middle school is awful, but having none of my friends, most of my friends, um, a lot of my friends went to more. Mm, that makes sense. Um, That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's because it's in the same area. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then, some of my friends went to, um, I'm trying to think of others, of other middle schools, but they went to different middle schools. And so I didn't have any of my friends follow me to middle school. So you were a brand new, all by yourself, not yes. a single one. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was, it was terrible. Um, because in elementary school, I thought I was decent at making friends because I had a few friends. They were all, you know, the, I was friends in the, the nerdy, uh, click of elementary school, but that was okay because I was nerdy and I loved my friends and going into middle school, I had never really experienced any, I, you know, I had, a, there were a few people in elementary school that I didn't see eye to eye with and didn't get along with, but I never really had a, a significant issue making friends. And in middle school, it was awful. I remember like three months in, I'm, you know, my birthday's rolling around and I had, but I thought I had made friends with some guys and I, and I invited them to my birthday party and I brought in invitations because I mean, that's what my parents like, Hey, invite some kids and go give these invitations. And they opened it up and just ripped it up straight in my face. And like, from that point on, I just was like, I was like, Oh, I'm not making friends here. This is, <laughs> yeah, middle school is rough. Yeah, it's, it's, I just, I think I had a similar situation as you because we moved right after fifth grade. My parents moved. Right. You moved to, to, they moved to the house they live in. The house. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And not a lot of people I knew from elementary school went to my middle school. Very few. What elementary school did you go to? I went to Johnsontown. Okay. And then I ended up going to Stewart Middle School. That would make sense because your house was right over off yeah. Johnsontown. So yeah. that would make sense. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Stewart Middle School. What I was going to ask you though, you so so you ended up going to Newburgh. You were one you were in the MST program, which I'm assuming means math, science, and technology. Math, science, and technology. Oh yeah. And uh I imagine that that kind of is what transitioned you into where you went for high school, but you know, middle school was difficult to you. Did you get bullied? Did you feel like you got bullied? Uh, I got bullied before I got to middle school. Yeah. I got bullied during middle school. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was rough. And, um, the, the, the dynamics of the MST schools, it was interesting because I don't, I believe the schools existed bef- before the MST magnets. And so they built the school buildings. And then they selected, you know, when they decided to go through the magnet program, I think they selected some schools that were, that were underperforming and said, we're going to put a, we're going to put a math, science and technology program 
in this school. That actually makes sense when you think about where they, they are, Mazik, Newberg, and Farnsley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it led to kind of a interesting dynamic because you had these you had a whole group of kids who were um, generally had really good, uh, you know, really good family lives and really you had a bunch of nerds. Yes. We had a bunch of nerds. We had a, yeah, really good family lives, really good family structures, had a lot of great support. And that's why we were so successful in school. And then you had a, you know, the, the rest of the population of the school were a lot of them from local in that area where there's a lot of struggle. And whenever we had any classes like gym class where we were all together, huge fights would break out. I remember one time we had an assembly to to talk about how much fighting there was in school and how we had to stop having fighting. So they brought all the kids into the gym to tell us that they needed to stop fighting. And about 17 fights broke out during this assembly and the entire it just was a huge brawl. And everyone in the bleachers was just beating everyone else up. It was it was terrible. So. Um, you know, the, the thought made sense, but I don't think the, the execution of, of the, the programs really, you know, worked well. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, cause I, I subbed a couple of times at Mazik and, um, Mazik is interesting because it's, because it's kind of similar. It has like a lot of the kids who go to Mazik end up going to manual, which yes. is where you went to high school. Yes. And then a lot of the kids who are going to Mazik are living in the neighborhoods around Mazik, and there is a lot of socioeconomic disadvantages there. And um, it was just two very different populations of kids. And, you know, diversity is awesome, but when you kind of have, like, a, a clear and obvious divide, you sometimes get, like, in-group, out-group fighting and bullying. And that's exactly, that's exactly what I was seeing. You know I mean? That's, that's because we weren't really integrated we were just brought in and kept in our own separate classes except for gym class and things of that you know and things like that but otherwise we were taught a whole different curriculum and and had our own class rotation that we went through that was you know those teachers were separate teachers and and everything and so it was it was really kind of like two schools which i mean is the same way um most magnet schools you know you have the magnet program is the you know, you have the teachers that are there for the magnet program and they're teaching that specific, you know, curriculum. And then you have the 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 general education uh, curriculum that, you know, the the people that that's their homeschool. Uh-huh. It's still kind of that way now. Yeah. It, and it was kind of that way when I was at Stewart because I was in advanced program classes and there was basically three classrooms and they rotated the three advanced program classes between those three classrooms. And then you would branch out into like, you know, like gym or Spanish mm-hmm. or, and just classes that you would take that everybody had to take. Um, it was interesting. I think actually we had advanced Spanish, if I'm being honest. But yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of integrated classrooms in terms of like advanced program and other classes. Right. And so then you decided, I guess it's a natural progression to go from an, an MST program in at Newburgh to manual. And were you in a special like magnet program at manual? Yes. The MST program continues on. Oh, and the manual. Oh. So manual had 
your five magnets. So did, is that where MST kids from Farnsley would have gone to, is they would have gone to manual? Yes. Yeah, the, the goal of the MST programs in middle school was to prepare for the MST program at manual. And then manual gets to go through and kind of basically choose the cream of the crop. They look at the MST programs and, and I say that because the MST programs, you got first bid. Like we got to apply earlier and MS and manual would choose the MST students that they wanted from the MST magnet schools. And then you met a lot of cool people. Yeah. High school. It's interesting because a lot of the friends that I have from high school, I didn't actually really start to bond with them until college. Really? Yes. But high school was better for me because I was able to fit in a little bit better. And I think people, you know, just the maturity you had. Well, for one, Manuel has a very, very respectful. It's just kind of ingrained, you know, that you're respectful. It's very diverse, you know, and, and so it was a better atmosphere. Yeah, they got a stronger culture. Yeah. And there there wasn't, yeah, the, you know, there wasn't bullying, there's much bullying. And, and so I really, I don't know that I completely thrived because I still had some um, social misgivings from, ish, you know, from all of the issues that had plagued me through middle school. And so I was very uh, reserved and, and very shy and basically did not reach out to try to befriend anybody throughout most of high school. Um, but it was a much better time. You know, and I did make some friends and, and, um, you know, and like I said, it's interesting that, that my friends, um, you know, my best friends now are people that I went to high school with. And honestly, most of them, I really didn't even, um, hardly talk to them in huh. high, in high school. Um, but yeah, it, it really, high school was, um, it was an enjoyable experience. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed my high school experience also. I have a lot of my leftover friends. Uh, oh gosh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> leftover friends. All my leftover friends. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I do. I spend I spend a lot of time hanging out with the same people I hung out with when I was in high school. Yeah. Which is weird. But I mean, I don't spend a lot of time hanging out with anybody except my wife, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, but that group of people was the group I see most. And then we actually kind of reconnected for a brief moment in college because you left Manual and you went to uh, Speed School of Engineering at UofL. Yes. And that's what you have your degree through there now. Yes. And uh, what was that experience like? Would you feel like college for you was that like blossoming experience that like growing into who you are as a person type of experience? Yeah, def definitely. College was one of the first times that I really had a lot of friends that I chose myself uh, you know when i was when you're younger you know my parents would say you know i'd make a friend and and they would see that that kid was a bad influence or something like that and they'd say you know maybe we'll invite the the kids over that are good influences you know and that are you know that we want to influence child you know and and then i went through a long period of middle school and high school not really making a lot of friends and so getting to college and and really making a really strong core friend group um it was fantastic i i mean i went kind of nuts with it um uh i mean i had a, i had a scholarship and lost it because i just didn't spend enough time focusing on my classes and my coursework because i had friends and i was making up for all the time that i had spent in high school 
sitting at home, like playing video games and watching TV and not having friends, I was making up for all of that by going over to my friend's house and sitting with them watching TV and playing <laughs> video games. <laughs> I really did grow quite a bit as a person. Um, for one, college was very challenging, very difficult. You know, and I'd, um, I'd spent a lot of my time through grade school um, coasting and um, manual brought up some challenges, but still for you know, outside of things like my calculus class and things like that, I still coasted a lot. I mean, I sometimes in art class, we'd have an art project and I would literally just spend like 30 minutes whipping something up the night before and come in and my teacher would be like, well, that looks good enough. I'll give you a B, you know? So, um, I mean, one, one time I had this intricate thing planned out and, um, it was, we were making a sculpture, a 3d sculpture out of a flat piece of, um, poster board. And we had to cut it and fold it and make some sort of modern art thing. And I remember that I had this intricate design that, um, that, that I'd planned out and it looked like a deck of cards exploding and it had like a spade and a diamond and a heart and, and it was just going to be great. It was going to be great. And I made it with a little index card as a model of it so I could, you know, see it fleshed out before I made it on this large piece of poster board. And I went to make it on the poster board and I forgot to label all of my cuts and where things went. And so I had no idea how to re how to assemble this thing. I couldn't assemble my little model back. I couldn't do any of it. And so I was terrified and we have like 15 minutes left in class. I just made some random cuts, slapped some paint on this thing and was just like, this looks atrocious. And my teacher comes in and it's like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is fantastic. And it, she went and put it out in the display cases with like all the, all the actual art students, all the visual arts magnet students, like their work. She put it out in the cases with their work. And I was, I wasn't even proud of it because <laughs> I was like, this is terrible. I just made, I just whipped together this garbage and she thinks it's awesome. And I wouldn't, I didn't even like it, but <laughs> sometimes you get lucky, man. Sometimes you get lucky. Yeah. I wish I got lucky a little bit more often. Well, uh, <laughs> not today, sir. Not today. I could use a refill. You want to get a refill? Yeah. That's really interesting that you that you ended up with a lot of friends in college that were there when you were in high school, but now you guys are close. Well, and part of that is because. It's kind of, once again, it's those separation. I don't think either Shane or Alex were in the MST program. Mm. Um, and so even then, um, there was not a, there was not an overlap because they had so many kids going through the program that you would basically stay in your same class throughout the day. And, you know, that calculus teacher would have four classes and the rotations would work where, you know, a quarter of the kids would have calculus class on on you know their first period and then would have second you know and then another group would have it on their second period and and so um, and you guys were on block schedules at the time too weren't you like yes. monday wednesdays and then tuesdays thursdays yeah we would alternate so so on some weeks we would go 
to you know our classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then next week they'd be a Tuesday, Thursday. So throughout the two weeks, we had re- what we call um, red weeks and white weeks, and 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 on red weeks, you know the school colors, you know um, red weeks, you would go to what were considered your red day classes three times, and your white day classes two times, and then the next week, you know, white week would be reversed. So kind of talk about college and, and um, you had said, you'd asked if it was kind of a, a growth for me. And one of the things I think that, um, as I've gotten older and what I've really, one of the things I've kind of really figured out about myself is really I'm in a lot of ways, uh, my personality is exactly the same as it was when I was a child. I'm I'm silly. I love stupid jokes, terrible puns. I found a Facebook page and and it's one of the ones you had to apply and I was so happy I got accepted to it because it just shares the worst memes, like the worst puns ever and I love it. I mean, I literally spent an hour today annoying annoying Amanda with these puns and it was it was fantastic. But I'm still like that I love that as a child and I'm still and I'm still there. And I think one of the things that really happened with me in college was kind of through middle school and high school, I felt like I needed to be someone else to be liked. And so I tried to be someone else. And I think as I went through college, when I first started making friends in college, I still tried to be that person that I thought I needed to be to be cool, you know, and people didn't see my finger quotes there, but, um, that's what I I tried to be. And once I started realizing that I could just be myself around these people and they would still like me, it was, that was to me, the big enlightening moment of college is that I had people that I could be myself around and, and, you know, that, that would, was a huge moment for me and uh that's continued on into my adult life you know like with with amanda i sometimes i tell her i said that one of my favorite things about her is that i can be me and she loves me and sometimes i can get on her nerves and but she but she still appreciates who i am and I don't have to pretend to be someone else. And I value that a whole lot because of the experiences I had through college where I was able to not really discover myself. A lot of people say that they discover themselves through college, but I discovered that who I was was okay. That's cool. You know, and that's kind of the big revelation and big change in my life that the college brought about. That's cool. Yeah. You were always nerdy. Yeah, still am. Yeah, yeah. Do you still play Pokemon Go? Um, I've not played Go as much, mainly because my phone is on its last leg. Um, I guarantee you that it's probably at 50% battery and it was fully charged when I came over here. And <laughs> I have not done a thing to it. It's yeah. just, I need to get a new phone. Um, but I do. I do play. Um, but I, pl- I play. I just downloaded um, for Father's Day. One of my Father's Day presents was the expansion to the Pokemon Sword and Shield games, which I'd already beaten. And like, <laughs> I, and so I got the expansion and Amanda was like, you like it? And I said, yeah, I've already beat it. And she was like, you've only had it for a week. And I was like, I know, but I've already beat it. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, 
you hung on with Pokemon Go longer than anybody I knew, I think. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, like, I would get on every once in a while, like, after months' time, and I would see how good some of the people on there were. And I would think those guys have been playing every single day since it started. Otherwise, they couldn't be this good. Um, so I don't think you were as crazy as those people. But I knew just that you held on to where you were playing consistently and didn't fall off longer than anybody I knew. You should be proud for that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I had uh, a lot of my friends. We would go out and, and do that. And so it was, another, it was another opportunity for me to get to socialize with, with my best friends. And so that's... Um, that sounds like a blast. I wish I would have known about that. I would have totally done that. <laughs> I, would, I would go... I went out a couple of times with Chris Berry. But his ass never wanted to get out of the car. <laughs> um, and a couple of times, when, when it first came out, I was dating my ex-girlfriend, Jenny. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was dealing with a lot of stuff. And I was trying to get her to to deal with those things. And so we were going to like AA meetings together. And like we were going to therapy. And yeah. she would go to therapy. And then I would have to drive. I would drive her there. And then it was on Frankfurt Avenue. And I'd walk around up and down Frankfurt Avenue and play it by myself. And that was super fun. Yeah. And I'd see other people who were playing it, but it would have been way more fun if I would have had somebody to go with me. It would have been a blast. The best days to do it are, um, they have monthly community days and, um, which it's funny because, um, and I don't know if this is still a thing or if it kind of flopped, um, but they released basically Harry Potter, the Harry Potter version called, um, Wizards Unite. It uses the exact same locations and everything. I mean, they they literally just basically put new skins on the same game. Well, it's the it's Niant. Well, what is it? Niantic. Yeah, Niantic. But I think there there's a game that is this. It's Ingress. Yeah, Ingress. They're all just putting skins yeah. on that. And, yeah, and they, they are. And and um, it's basically the. I mean, it's the exact same thing. You're like catching. You're catching magical creatures and then casting. You got to cast spells to catch them instead of throw pokeballs. But it's it doesn't even seem. Like Harry Potter. But the thing is, is that they had these community days for that, too. Um, and so it was weird when it first came out because the community days were the same were the same weekend. I think they maybe started with community weekends for the, the Harry Potter. And so you had a bunch of people out like wearing Pokemon gear and playing and playing Pokemon Go. And then you had people wearing like full on Hogwarts robes with wands playing on their phones can the games like interact with each other they they can't but they should that that would be that would be you awesome think you gotta think it's just a skin yeah so whatever animal they're seeing in that wizard game has a pokemon associated with it with, oh yeah with a set of moves that's associated with the same set of moves with yeah. the same power why would you recreate all of that stuff you would just make it look different instead of casting flamethrower the effect of flamethrower is still the same. Yeah. It just looks totally different because it's coming now from a different yeah, it's, thing. It's the exact um, – I mean, you could play the two. I actually had both of them for uh, a little while, and then I thought this is ridiculous. This is entirely too much uh, investment. And that's usually what happens with mobile games uh, for me is I'll get playing, and then I'll realize that I'm investing entirely too much time in it, and I feel like it's a requirement for me to play it. To keep up, and then I then I quit. But um, but yeah, you go over to community days, and there are hundreds of people, especially like over um, in in like Jeff, Southern Indiana, yeah, yeah right there, like because uh, it's a beautiful park. It's all the, there's all those restaurants that are right along that little strip. Yeah, 
and and they focus the spawns the the best spawns in areas where people gather to play because they collect all your location data and they they focus the spawns on places where they see people uh, are playing lo- so better lo- pokemon spawn in those areas yes. i see mm-hmm. that is cool i remember you being like in like invested in pokemon and like the community around pokemon early because you used to play the card game and you would go to like the events and like you would do like the card events too didn't you do that i would i never i wanted to compete in the uh competitive card games um but it was one of those deals where um there's only so many things that um you can ask your parents to drive you to and um you know i didn't really want to quit scouts or to quit karate um so Asking my parents to drive me to those things as well, I think was was just too big of an ask, and so it was one of the things that I didn't really get to do. But I I collected the cards, and I played with my friends, and it would always frustrate me because I think I was the only person that actually knew the actual rules. Well, right, to the you game. played the actual rules. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, that's because I had the Pokemon trading card uh, Game Boy game. Gotcha. Yeah, so that I could actually play the game with the actual rules against, um, you know, computer. That's hilarious. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I was, I was heavily invested. It was actually, um, I remember I was just talking about this with, uh, my buddy Alex the other day, um, that both of us had a similar experience where, um, with the first two generations of Pokemon, you know, he had red, he had red, yellow, and blue. Um, and then you had gold, silver, and crystal and gen one and gen two. When gen three came out, I wanted to play so bad. I had my Game Boy Advance, so I wanted to play so bad. But it was dead. Like, Pokemon was not cool. It was not the cool thing to do. Everyone in middle school was, you know, uh, you know, only nerds play Pokemon. And I was like, I don't want to be a nerd. Like, you know, I want to be cool. I wanted people to like me. And so I didn't play. And he had the exact same experience. And he said, I just... Eventually, like two years after the games came out, I just bought them and played them secretly and didn't tell anybody because I didn't want people to to think I was nerdy or whatever. But he he was like, but I really wanted to play these games. And I've still not played the Generation 3 games because um, it's, it's on my to-do list. But it's one of the things I never played them no matter how much I wanted to because it wasn't cool anymore. Dude, you need a new phone so bad. Because you can download a Game Boy Advanced emulator on your phone, and mm-hmm. you can just download free ROMs, and you can play them. And they they even have ROMs that are like cracked, mm-hmm. so it's like okay, you're gonna play Pokemon. Um, gosh, I don't know, like Ruby Red or Apple yeah. Red or something yeah. like that. And basically, it's like all the Pokemon from both Blue and Red are now available to be caught in this one game. Yeah, it also has. All the gems that are like original red, blue, yellow, and then also all the gold. It's got Kanto and like uh, Juto or whatever. Johto. Johto, yeah. 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 It's got both islands, so you can do both. Um, yeah. But it don't, it's still like, I like it because I'm a purist. I like the original Pokemon because I know them and I'm an <laughs> optimizer. Yeah. So like, I'm trying to get the most out of my Pokemon team. I yeah. Want, and so I, I want to know in detail all the different aspects of what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. And that's why I don't like the new games, because I was like, all right, I got this bird now. I don't know what the fuck it does. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Is it good? Is it bad? Should I get rid of it? Should I keep yeah, it? I don't know. I, I don't know how much time, um, you know, when I was a kid, like I'd buy the guidebooks so that I knew what I, I knew what I was doing. 
But like now as an adult, I just go through the game. And so I'll get halfway through and I'm like, man, this this is garbage. I don't know why I've kept this thing on my team this whole entire game. It looks really cool, but it's terrible. Um, and you invested so much XP into it now. Oh, yeah. It's like no, you can't go get that yeah. back. Too much effort. Um, showing my nerd here a little bit. I um, That's okay. People who listen to this are nerds. I I watch. There's a couple of YouTubers I watch that play. They play like the the, the, the hacked ROMs and stuff. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll play the regular games too. Um, and uh, uh, one of the hacks I think is coolest is they, they actually have a, there's a randomizer that'll randomize the Pokemon. So like legendaries can just show up anywhere. Oh, that's cool. And um, yeah, like, but you can also just like, they can show up and just battle you like right in the middle of the game. You're like, you're like first battle, dude's got him Mewtwo. And you're like, <laughs> oh man, I'm screwed. So, but I'm, I love watching the, um, I love watching those videos. And you know, what's funny is like, I think it's just because like I watch them like on my lunch break at work and stuff. And I think it's because like, I know that I don't have the time personally to go play, to spend playing all that, but I've got an hour, you know, I probably need to download an emulator on my phone. It is fun. Yeah. It is fun. I play Call of Duty mobile. Mm. Which I'm a big fan of. And and I'm not a big video game player. I never have been in my life. But when I was in high school, maybe even early college, Chad Heiner and I played a lot of Call of Duty together. And so it's so nostalgic for me. Yeah. And so I still love playing Call of Duty Mobile. Now on my phone, I've gotten pretty damn good, man. Right out of... Um, I haven't played the Call of Duty Mobile. Um I was uh, I really like PUBG Mobile, mm. but right out of college, um, I moved in with my cousin Patrick, which lasted like three or four months, and then he uh, informed me that he was taking like a four month trip to Ireland, and I was like, "All right, cool. Well, I'm gonna find somewhere else to live," <laughs> and that's when I moved in over here with uh, with you. But when I was living with Patrick, we would play Call of Duty most nights, being because you come home and you don't have much else going on, but we would. Monday night we would go to Moe's and get some cheap burritos, and then we go and all of his friends and we get on and we have these massive games. That's actually uh, that isn't that's where we should go next, which is you lived over with Patrick for about a few months, mm-hmm. and then not long after that you, we moved in together here at this place. Yes, I lived here for about three weeks when you moved in, mm-hmm. and uh, gosh, the house was so much different then. Do you remember the hole that was in the wall in the uh, shower? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. I lived with that for such a long time. I remember I remember your mom, your mom uh, because I when I originally knew that I was looking for a place and I can't remember how it came about. Um it probably came about because I had started going to church at the so, Life Song or something like that. Yeah, at the Life Song. And so so I guess like when it when I found out that I, you know, I guess when your mom or my mom, I don't remember who who uh brought it about or brought it up. I was like, well, um, you know, Mitch is going to be moving in, moving into his house and, um, you can move it. You should ask him to, you know, if he's got, you can move in with him. And so, uh, I remember like finding out after the fact that you and your dad ended up coming in, spending like an insane amount of time trying to get the house ready because you because you all had a bunch of projects that you all needed to get done and kind of now you're like oh you know I am moving in now and Matt's going to move in with me and so 
you guys had to kind of hurry up and get that ready to roll out the red carpet for me. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, that's because my mom didn't tell us that she was telling anybody about that, <laughs> which is, I mean, that's pure mom. Yeah. Our moms are notorious for doing those things. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, well, now all of a sudden, like, I could move in whenever I really kind of felt like it. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, it's like, oh, shit, I got to get this shit done. <laughs> yeah, that's... And she, I think I think your I think your mom was like I think she was like well if I if I if I have somebody move in with Mitch then he'll just have to finish this thing up. Mm. Yeah, she wanted me out of the house. <laughs> that was clear. That was clear early. Um, when she told me that she loved her dog more than me, Callie. <laughs> she she's gonna hate listening to this episode because she thinks all this stuff is such bullshit, and it is. It genuinely is bullshit. She didn't say any of these things, but. <laughs> there's a, there's you know you know how like every lie has like a little grain of truth. Oh yeah. There is a genuine feeling that I've gotten from my mom on occasions where she was like, "Are you going to what are you going to do? Like why are you still here?" Like <laughs> I felt the same I I felt the same thing at times. And I think I think part of that um and I don't know if this is anything that you that you ever felt when we were growing up, but whenever we got together for a family function, whether it be Christmas or Easter, um, it almost felt like to me it was kind of a uh, kind of a a competition of of you know what what cool stuff you're doing, and so I always felt like I was losing because I'm like because I'm like you know you're you're like well I'm on the football team and playing guitar and and I'm like. I beat Mario. <laughs> yeah. So, and and I spent 5 hours working on my truck to fix something that you can't even see. So, I always felt like it's crazy to hear some of your previous podcasts where you feel like that you you're like I wasn't cool because mm-hmm. I was thinking I was like, "No, I thought you were kind of cool." Like you seemed like you seemed like Gotcha, like bitch. You had yeah, you had me beat, man. Like I I was like you know. No, I had you tricked, bro. <laughs> I had you fooled. I I was with you. I was succeeding in exactly what my plan was. It's like I'm gonna get all these people who don't know me all that well to think I'm pretty cool, fella. But in reality, no, it was not. I don't remember there being a competition. I remember that I just like attention. I still do. I still like attention, and I get a kick out of having attention. Yeah. And so there was a while where I felt really, it wasn't really in high school, it was kind of after high school. I was trying to figure out who I was. I didn't know. Yeah. And I was full of shit almost all the time. And I was obnoxious. And so I didn't get along with any of our family members very much. Um, And so I just wouldn't even spend a whole lot of time like at family gatherings and stuff like that because I became mobile. So I could go (laughs) for like an hour and then I could just leave. And then it's so interesting how that changed because all the reason that I wasn't going to those types of things was because I was like, I don't feel like being judged about the decisions that I'm making. Yeah. And the decisions that I'm making are even to this day, still not always widely understood or appreciated by my family members. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, I'm just trying to figure out me, bro. That's all I'm trying to do. And like, if it doesn't like fit in with what you think, I'm sorry, but I've gotten way better at like, Approaching it in a, in a non-confrontational, unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. And now I love going to family events because 
I'm just going to shut up. I've just realized I'm just going to shut up and observe. And we have an extremely entertaining family. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it really is. And it's fun because like, kind of like you said, when we were living together, um, you started coming to church. I don't know if you started, I didn't realize you started coming before we moved in together. It was, it was kind of during the transitional process Mm -hmm. where I knew you were going to be living out here. That I was going to be living out here. And your mom, every time I got my hair cut, every time, every family function, every time I saw her, every time I talked to her, it was, you should come to church. Mm-hmm. You should come to church. She was proud of me, man. Yeah. I was I'm, in front I know. of people talking and singing. It I know. was ridiculous. I know. And, and, but I appreciate that because her relentlessness <laughs> in inviting me, you know, because this is not, it's not something that I have, you know, that I talk about a whole lot, but I'd had some really terrible experiences at previous churches. And, and it was something where I had gone on to a point where I was going to just be, um, had decided that I was going to be religious outside of organized um, religion because I didn't, like, I had terrible experiences with anything that was organized. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate the fact that she brought me somewhere that I could um, be happy and, and you know and feel and feel like I belonged and feel like my family. But yeah, no, she. I think it was kind of all part of when I was moving out here. It was it was all just kind of that. Um, that was part of the transition. Is that I came for a few weeks um, out to 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 church. And Which, uh, were we at Lee's Lane at the time? Or yeah, that, we was, at Lee, that was at Lee's. No, we were at Lee's that Lane. That was at Lee's Lane. Yeah, and so, yeah, the the life song is such an interesting community. I'm I, I, I'm really interested to hear like how you feel about it because I was, I was a big part of it like from the very beginning. Like James is the mastermind of all things, mm-hmm. and he he's the person who made everything happen. But I was there, and I was a part of the band, and I got to watch the whole thing come up. And so it's interesting to hear like people's opinions like coming in in different eras because I think of it now as eras. Yeah, it seems in my head and like there's it's a there's even pre coronavirus there's been like a new era of evolution that's taken place at the live song, which is like the video thing and and that's really super interesting. Um, how long were you going to church there before you started playing music? It was several years. I feel like it was a couple years, I've, yeah. I've, I've, let's see. I've been playing, I guess I've been playing there, what, like almost four years? And I would have moved in out here. 2012-ish? Late 2012? Yeah, late 2012. So I guess I was going there three or four years before yeah. I started Before I started playing. It makes and, sense. And that was an interesting moment in my life when that happened because- you know, I've, I've always loved music. I remember when you gave me that guitar that had no strings on it, and I went and got strings, and um, and I started playing it, and I was convinced that the reason that it sounded terrible was because I didn't have an amp to put any, like, you know, to improve and be able to, like, dial in the sound. So then I got an amp, and I realized that that just made me, my terribleness louder. Yeah. And, um... I decided after over a year of failing to be able to play stuff that was considered simple music 
on the guitar. I decided it wasn't for me. And ultimately, I kind of stumbled into playing drums because I had I had terrible coordination. And I went over to a friend's house and played rock band drums and I was terrible at it. And I was, but I love the game. And after multiple times of going over there and playing and being terrible at it, I thought, well, I'm, I'm terrible at the guitar. I'm, you know, I'm have a select few songs that I could not be terrible at singing. So I need to try and figure out how to play drums. Cause this is going to be, this is going to be my spot in this, in this video game. And ultimately, once I figured out how to move my limbs independently of each other, it's it's just it's naturally worked for me. And and so um, but I was still like I had a drum kit and I played it occasionally. And I was completely unprepared for it. Like I told Amanda that I had wanted, that I, that I would love to be able to play one day at church. But I was completely unprepared for when she was like, so I told Hannah, you know, Hannah was saying that, you know, they don't have anybody to play drums. And I told her that you play drums. And so she's going to talk to you about that. And I was thinking, okay, I'm not even comfortable playing drums in my own basement. And I'm going to, uh, play drums in front of people and you know it was it wasn't a terrible terribly large amount of people and there were people that I had known for a while and felt comfortable around and that was very helpful but it was kind of one of those things that I was really just I mean it kind of threw me to the wolves and like I had said earlier that one of the things that I do is I because I'm a a bit of a perfectionist I don't like doing things that I'm not good at, but if I know that I'm going to have to do something, that I'm going to try and be my best at it and learn and and learn to be the best at it so that I can do it. And by her kind of throwing me to the wolves, really she's big reason that I that I've improved and be able been able to do what I, you know, what I do and continue playing because I've, you know, I would not have developed, I would not, I would have sat down there and just, um, messed around on them like a little bit every week. And I, I would spend hours and hours and hours trying to learn the songs and play the songs. Cause I was so terrified about being terrible on stage and it forced me to get better quick, quickly. And so I very much appreciated the fact that you all did not did not bring to my attention um, how much how how terrible I probably was early on because I'm sure that it was not great and um, it's not nice to do. You see how everybody's <laughs> ignoring how bad James is. That's the nice thing to do. <laughs> when I think about when I think about music and the music of the life song that was a huge growing experience for me years of lots of growth of starting off like not having really a clue what I was doing at all to figuring it out and then kind of feeling like okay I actually am kind of good at some of these things and then there not being any leadership 
and then having to be a leadership role and not prepared for that leadership role and like not really even wanting to do it. Right. That was such a strange and crazy experience for me. But then the last few years, the thing I dealt with the most, the hardest part for me about the whole thing was feeling like I'm I'm a total lying piece of shit. I'm a lying piece of shit standing up here singing these songs in front of these people. And then so it was really weird. It was like one of the big things that I had to grow into is like I ended a couple of big relationships and I ended a couple of jobs. And I was like, you know what? I don't have to always do what I've always done. And I told, you know, you're there that day that I said that I didn't want to yeah. play music anymore. Yeah. And my reasoning why. Yeah. But I'm, dude, I miss it. I miss it because I miss the group. Mm-hmm. I had fun. Playing music is fun. I like doing it. I like singing it. And I also, if I'm being honest, I don't I don't know. I don't want to talk about this with you a ton because I don't want to make anything uncomfortable. Yeah. But I vibe with the music and the message in the music. There's other parts that I don't vibe with. Right. But the majority of the songs, which you're talking about, like, you know, like, uh, you know, just like staying steadfast, remaining strong and just staying focused and positive. That's kind of what I feel like I get from it. Like a lot of it. Yeah. Like that resonates with me a lot. And I miss, I miss that vibe. Um, I don't want to hinder other people who are in a different part of their life, who are experiencing right. or seeking after different things. Right. And I don't want to be that for people. And I really, I, you know, I appreciate that day. I really appreciated your honesty and the courage to say what you did. You got to be true to who you are and, you know, and what you believe. And, you know, that's, um, I mean, that's kind of, like I said, it's one of the big things for me is, is as I've developed as a person, I've really realized that what I needed to be in life was to be me and to surround myself with people who liked me being me and liked who I was. And I'd had, I've had several people you know, back when I was trying to be cool, that they, that they, you know, that they, they, they called me out on it, man. They really did. You know, sometimes I get this feeling that you try to be, you're, you're the person you are is not this genuine person. And then you get little glimpses of the genuine you. Like you'll just tell this dumb joke out of nowhere and it's completely out of the character that you're portraying. But I feel like that's the real you. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of is the real me, you know? And then, and that was, you know, so I'm mean, like I said, it's, it's ultimately you're going to have to figure out who you are and be true to, and be true to you, you know? And that's, that's what we're all doing. I mean, really. So like, so obviously, you know, like you talked about that transitionary period, that growth period of joining the band at church and being involved with that. And then obviously through the relationships, well, maybe not obviously to everybody, but obvious to me through the relationships you made at the life song, you met your now wife. Yeah. Your your mom's. I'm gonna give your mom probably a big head here, but like I mean, the <laughs> I fact know she has to listen to this now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for real though. Like I said, her just endless inviting me and basically inviting me to live out here with <laughs> in your house too. I mean, like it's really it's weird how one moment, one moment, one decision can completely change the course of your life. And that's really what happened there because 
I mean, think about it. At the church I go to, like you said, my wife, you know, and then now I've got my boy. And um, and all of that probably would not have happened had I not moved out here and started coming to the lifestyle. And I'll be honest with you, if, had I had I not been moving out here, I probably would not make a 30-minute drive to come to church. Really, I started coming to church because I knew that I was moving out here anyway. And so, I mean, that all of that... But yeah, getting to meet Amanda, that's that was a huge thing. For one, like I said, she, I didn't really have a whole lot of success in relationships. And I think part of that was probably because I was trying to curate who I was and be this person that I wasn't. And Amanda was really the first time where I ever had a relationship where I um, started to really be me. Um, and it, and it worked. Um, and I think a big part of that was because, um, we started out just being, you know, friends, like basically, um, she's told me she had a crush on me, but, ba- but basically James was like, Hey, Matt, you should train Matt up to run the computer at church. And she was like, okay, so now I have a reason to talk to this guy. And so we exchanged numbers and she invited me to this horror movie night at her house. And turns out that I ended up being the only guy that came. And, but it was like, um, that was a trap, bro. You got trapped. Oh, I know. She swears that she didn't intend this and that everyone did this to her, but they all like, man, had this tiny little house, um, that she was renting right next to her mom's house. And, um, she had, like her seating was a love seat. And then she had some kitchen chairs that she could pull in for everyone else. And she sits down on the love seat and literally all the other girls sit elsewhere, leaving that spot next to me. And so I walk in and she says, she swears up and down that like she was trying to convince one of them to sit there because she didn't want it to feel like a setup. But I walked in and it kind of felt like a setup. Yeah. You got got bro. <laughs> but um, it happens to the best of us. Yeah. I, it, look at my wife. Yeah. I still got her got. <laughs> she doesn't even know. It happens to the best Just of wait us. till she finds out, man. Oh, my God. I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> but, yeah. No, that's so that. I mean, that was a, a huge, huge thing. But because we kind of just started out talking and being friends, I guess I didn't feel any pressure to try and be cool and be impressive because I wasn't trying to impress her at first. And then just as we talked. I really started to feel more and more like I really like being around her. And that was really the the impetus for why I decided that I was going to, um, you know, spend more time with her. And, and ultimately, we ended up dating and, and you know, it, it worked out. But I think because I because I was myself around her. And then I realized that she just didn't mind me being myself. And I thought that's, that's awesome. And that's why I say that's one of my favorite uh, traits about her is that I, I can be me full fledged me, which can be annoying at times. And she will tell you that I'm very annoying at times, but um, I bet she could talk to my wife a bunch about how annoying (laughs) we are. So now you've been, how long have you guys been married? Um, we just celebrated our third anniversary last um, last month. 
So thought that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, um, and now you got a youngster. Yeah. Miles. What's that like? It's great. It's been a, it, it is an, an adventure. It is your um, boy, as you called him earlier. Yeah. He's, there are so many experiences and it's, it's hard to describe. There's so many experiences and so many emotions and there's, there's so much that you feel it's, um, you feel so much responsibility. I mean, just thinking of all the things it's, it's almost overwhelming all the things that, that hit you through being a parent, you know, that, that just overwhelming feeling of love, but there's also overwhelming feeling of, I am now completely responsible for this little human who is incapable of taking care of themselves. And not only that, but I play a significant role in what type of person this little human being turns out to be. And I, you know, and the, and as he's getting older now, you know, cause he just, he just turned one. And as he's getting older and he's, you know, the, the older they get more personality starts to show. And I'm starting to see some of my personality He's so he's super silly, mm-hmm. but I'm also seeing some of my personality flaws. Mm. He has a temper, mm-hmm. and I and I get so frustrated because I'm like I. I mean, it really does make you evaluate yourself too, because you know, anything that he does, anything that he has ingrained in him naturally, is something that's come from one of the two of us. Mm-hmm. And so when I see that temper, of course, Amanda attributes that to Casey. She's like mm. and you know, Sheila are like, oh he's got he's got that temper temper like Casey. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm closer in the blood I'm closer in the bloodline here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but um I think it's more likely that whether Amanda wants to admit it, she married someone much like her brother. That's uh, probably why we get along so well. Yeah. Yeah. Casey's a really cool guy. Casey's an asshole. <laughs> he said it not me. Casey's a piece of shit. And I love him with all my heart and soul. He's one of the greatest guys I know for sure. Yeah, he's a really good guy. I'm jealous that all my friends have married friends, siblings. Yeah. Because y'all all get to hang out with each other on holidays. Casey's got it best. Yeah, Casey does have it best. I'm just thinking about it, though, through the chain, like, I'm re- I'm related to Casey. I'm also, like, loosely now related to Jake. Yeah, like, twice removed or yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, like, way down the line, you know. And, yeah. Um, Chad gets <laughs> to hang out with Jeff. You and Casey get to hang out. Yeah. And Casey gets to hang out with Jake. I know. I, I go, to, you know who I hang out with at, like, Christmas parties? My wife. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like my family. I have a cool family. I have my brother-in-laws. Both of my brother-in-laws are cool, so I'm lucky in that way. Uh, but it would be cool if if you guys were there also. It would be even more fun. Yeah. Do you, how many of your friends have kids? Are you the, one of the only ones? So, out of my... Like your core friend yeah, group? Yeah, out of my core friend group, I was the first. Yeah. Um, and um, my buddy Kyle just had a daughter. Um, she's... Do she's I know really, his wife? Cameron? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, cool. they had a daughter. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, we're the only ones that okay. we're the only ones that have kids. And so you know, it was kind of neat for me because I had always been behind everyone else. And 
kind of being the first to ta- of my friends to tackle that adventure. I enjoy the fact that I can that I can kind of you know share with them what I've experienced and what they kind of have in store. It's been interesting because you know now it's going to be you know as my friends start having children which I I don't know. I mean I don't the I don't know how many of them like intend to have children or anything like that. I know Kyle Kyle's kid and um but I don't really know about the rest of my friends but um at least I'm not like the weird guy who's bringing a kid to a, to a party where literally <laughs> there are no other children. Like now there is at least one other child that's going to be coming to these things and that's going to be nice and you know they'll uh you know hopefully that hopefully they'll be friends because I think that's like a huge part of how when you're little how you make friends is you make friends with the children of the people that your parents spend time around which is why growing up I felt really close to you and and Patrick my cousin on my dad's side is because like obviously my mom likes spending time with her sister but so Miles will be friends with Let's see. Well, you got Grayson. Oh, gosh, you got Grayson. Obviously Grayson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you've also, I mean, like Jake's kids, I imagine, will be around. El- Elias and oh, Micah. Elias and Micah. I'm going to edit you saying that out, and I'm going to leave me saying that, just so you know. <laughs> um, And then you got Chad's son, uh, Easton. Mm-hmm. Lots of boys. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, and I it, guess Matt, Matt Smith has a daughter. Yes. She's older, though. He was probably one of the first of my friends to have kids. Yeah. Like I said, I um, I was the first out of my friend group, and I think that's just kind of a, a thing that's people are having children later, and so like I said, on one hand, it you know it feels like an appropriate time, mm-hmm. but it also feels late in life when you compare it back to yeah your parents, but then living it because I just I still feel like I'm just you know I feel young and I feel like I'm this this child, and and then having this other child that I am now in charge of. And it's a big, it, it, it is really, um, it's an interesting feeling. So like I said, sometimes you, you feel like you're ahead of the, the, the curve, like you're, and sometimes you feel like you're, you're behind it. So I don't know that, I don't know that it's something that anyone ever feels ready for. How do you feel about having a baby now? Like of all the times in the history of the world to have a baby, it's definitely, in a lot of ways, the very best. Yeah. But if you want to look on like a time frame, like scale of the past, like 20 years, it's a little bit tumultuous at the moment. That was something I was always going to be worried about was what's the world going to be for um, my kids? Because I mean, you never know. I mean, the people think about the fact that, that the kids that were drafted into the world wars and Vietnam and Korean wars, those kids that were brought into those wars, those parents didn't know when they had those kids, those kids were going to have to go off to war. And so, like, you know, you don't know what the future holds. And you look back and you think about the situations that could arise, but you have no idea. And so it's one of those things that I worry about. And then I think... I have no control over this anyway. And so I just can't worry about it. Like I just have to try and not worry about it. But it is 
an interesting time to have a child. I really hope that the world's better suited for him. I mean, one of the things that we kind of, our generation get kind of got dumped into the adult world at a really awful time to enter the adult world. And once again, parents had no idea that this was coming. Yeah, in terms of the economy. Yeah, the, the, econo- yeah. the economy, is, you know, and. Yeah, that's it, true. You know, the fact that the whole time that we're being brought up as children and told that college is the best route for you and you got to go to college and people who go to college make so much more money and all this stuff. And then by the time we get to the point where we're going to college and we've been told that we have to go to college, a lot of that's not even true anymore, but we've, but, but it's ingrained in us, you know? And so, um, you know, not that I regret going to college because it has provided me with a very, uh, viable career path and something that I wouldn't necessarily say that I enjoy. Like, I don't like get up and think, man, I'm just so excited to go to work, but I don't mind it. Like I don't, most days I get up and I'm like, I'm going to go into work. I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put in my hours. I'm not going to have a bad day. It's going to be a good day. I'm going to come home and see my family and, and everything is going to be right with the world, you know? And, and I, I think really I can't ask for a whole lot much more than that. And so, but yeah, that is a concern, you know, cause I don't know what the world's going to be like in 18, 20 years, you know, when he is entering that adult life and entering that adult world, I just really hope that like, it's a better situation. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked that question is because the, I mean, when we think about our parents telling us, you know, you got to go to college yeah, because it'll, it'll just secure this much, much more affluent future for you. Yeah. That had been true for like 70 years beforehand, maybe even longer. Yeah. If, I mean, if you had a college degree, I mean, in the early 1900s, you could expect to be significantly more affluent than just the average person around you. Right. But in that la- that continued to be true for such a long time that it made sense for our parents to tell us that. Right. But now things change so fast. That's what's the craziest thing about the world that we live in now is a thousand years ago, there'd be this new invention and it'd be the the first really new crazy influential thing in a thousand years and there wasn't going to be another one for a thousand years right but now we have technology springing out of nowhere that's like completely revolutionizes the landscape in which we live every like 30 years it's crazy and it's going to be even quicker i mean yeah it's crazy part too i mean cell phones cell phones really like they were invented in the 80s, but it really wasn't until I'd say the 90s before it became more of a a feasible, commonplace thing. You know, I remember I remember like my dad had one of the ones that mounts in the car, you know, and it, and it was and he was like one of the only people that had this phone. And um, he had it because he needed it for his business. He needed to be able to to be reachable and to be able to reach people wherever he was. And. You would think about that, like, I can remember that. So that's got to be at least, like, mid-90s, late-90s. We're 20 years later, and it has gone from being this almost unattainable technology to downsizing to being in the being in the palm of your hand and being easily attainable for 
you know a major you know a, a large portion of the population especially in the US for sure yeah and then the craziest thing the addition of the internet yeah to that that's what's that's the crazy the thing. smartphone revolution and, and honestly i feel like the technology it's getting better but like they the big waves have really happened a lot already and i don't know what the next big wave of technology but we've had a lot of really big monumental things i mean you know they had added cameras to phones and they added internet to phones and then they've added you know then the app the apps and the capabilities of phones and the things that they've done and you just think about all that happening and like the first phone that i had in high school didn't have a camera uh-huh. it was a nokia candy bar like just little brick uh-huh Tiny little green screen. Yeah. You could just see numbers on it. It yeah. looked almost like a calculator. Yeah. And it's not even, it's 14 years later. And my phone that I, like, my phone is, is neat. That needs to be replaced is because it, because it runs too slowly and the battery dies all the time. It has more capability than the computers that I was using in elementary school. Like it's, it's insane how quick that happens. And so we don't, you have at this point, that's why they, the most, a lot of careers start requiring continuing education and stuff is because you have to stay on top. Yeah. You know, I think the next big transition is going to be is VR. Have you played around with anything VR? I have not. I have seen, I've seen some stuff where people, uh, have and um i have i've done one or two things like uh you know when i'm out somewhere and you know there's like a stand and it's like check out this vr mm-hmm, headset mm-hmm, and i've mm-hmm. like put it on and you know and what um uh, done something like that but i've not really delved into it but it is um it's interesting it's very immersive oh my gosh it's so like my friend um andrew yeah. played softball with him he has the Oh gosh, the Oculus Quest. Yeah. So it's self-contained. Um and it, it and I don't know how much better like the Rift is cuz the Rift is just a it's a headset with multiple different screens. I think it's got like 116 degree of field of vision, which is like I think supposed to be as big as you can look around with your eyes. There's right. nowhere you can look where you and it's extremely immersive. The uh, the Oculus Quest is similar, but it's all self-contained. So I don't think it can run quite as realistic games as the Rift, because the Rift is going to be running off of like a high-end gaming PC, and you're going to be plugged into it. Right. Um, but we played a game. I mean, we played a game where you had to, all all the whole point of the game was you walk out on a plank, an elevator doors behind you. It opens up. You walk out. There's a plank. Yeah. It's it's frightening. At first, once you realize, I mean, like at at some point, it's kind of like a haunted house. Yeah. Like you're able to rationalize, okay, in reality, I'm in the middle of a game and nothing bad's going to happen. Um, but I still get flutters in my belly when I step off the end of that board. You know what I mean? Like I can step off the end of the board without, without any fear because I know I'm safe and I've rationalized it, but there's flutters. And w- and when you're allowing yourself to be fully immersed, yeah, it's like fucking shit, man. There's, it's, there's no floor, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that's like when you play Whenever I play a game that's, that's a horror game, like anything that's got 
um, you know, zombies or anything in the, like that. I turn the lights off and I mm-hmm. play it like one in the morning because I want to have like a little bit of that that sleep deprivation that like you you're not as sharp in your senses and it's it's dark and you're just focused on it because it makes it so much more intense. I mean, it's but it, it's crazy to think that's another area. It's crazy to think of the the technology advances. I remember just around video games. Just around video games. I remember being little and um and I think you had a like an original OG oh, yeah, yeah, Game yeah, Boy. Yeah. Gray, grayed yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. You had you had the, the gray one. I ended up um shortly after that they had come out with the color and that was my first that was for my first Game Boy um was the the clear purple Game Boy color. Oh nice. But I uh but I remember like that was a huge advancement. It yeah. was so much smaller and just just a better system in general. But, but you think about that, like that was mid nineties that we're sitting there with these just horrific graphics that mm-hmm. look like something that would be on you know 10 years later would be on your cell phone mm-hmm. and and yeah. when we thought this was the greatest we thought this was the greatest thing ever and now like i remember when the playstation came out and i was like oh my gosh these graphics are so realistic like these look like real football players out there on my madden game and then i'd and now i go back and play it and it's so comical that i thought this looked realistic because it looks just awful compared to what we have now yeah compared to what we have now i mean like we we now have that's an interesting thing that i think about is we are capable of creating such realistic humanoid figures with with technology yeah that they put those fake people in movies and you can barely even tell like this like the star wars movies yeah when they which i don't know i have really mixed feelings about like i like the continuity of using the the same actor. Yeah. But I have really mixed feelings about like seeing someone on screen and knowing that, yeah, that they're not even alive and they're, they're portraying this character. You know, and to think about like how many times in the past characters have had to change um, because they just, they, you know, either the person didn't want to do it anymore like or, they, or, or they stuff like that. Yeah. Or, um, so they built that into the story. Yeah, they did. That was smart, though. They did that. It was smart. But like, Amanda started reading, which this was really weird for me, but Amanda started reading the first Harry Potter book out loud the other night because she, she's going back through and reading them, and she was just reading it out loud um, because, you know, Miles was walking around, and she wanted to read it, and I was, wasn't doing much of anything else, so I was listening. And it was weird how, like, I didn't remember any of this story. I'm going to have to go back and read them again because I don't remember, like, the story, but then I was listening, and I was and I was thinking, man, they did a perfect job of casting those people in the movie because they they match so well. And they gave the description of Dumbledore. And the first guy they had played Dumbledore, I was like, that guy is exactly what they described. But the dude was like 80-something years old, so he didn't, like, you know, he, he passed away. Well, they went two movies in, and they're like, oh, we've got to change. And I wonder in the future if they're just going to be like, nope. Next six movies, we're just CGI in this dude in for for the next six movies, and I mean I know that Star Wars can do that because of the the way their contracts were all set up, but like, but like, I don't know if that's going to be a thing that movies are going to start doing. That they're going to just try and they're going to try and like own your likeness and and be able to just CGI you in there. You're right though; they really did nail it with the first Dumbledore. 
Yeah. And the guy they replaced him with was not quite as yeah, good. Yeah, Michael Gambon. I mean, I don't want to say anything about his acting. I just want to just his physical presence yeah. was not Dumbledore. When I think about like the CGI stuff that we do, I think about like deep faking. Are you familiar with the concept of deep faking, where they like take like President Obama and then they they get an actor that looks like him, and then they do his makeup to look like him, and then they CGI President Obama's face over this actor, and what you see is Barack Obama talking about like some crazy white nationalist stuff or whatever he might be talking about, and it's one hundred percent fake. But if you weren't prepared to see it, you would never know. You'd think it was totally real. That to me, that's horrifying. Isn't that scary? That's horrifying because, I mean, it's already. I mean, you think about it. Always throughout history, we've always relied on other people to get news that we are not directly privy to, and more and more now as we're exposed to more and more news there's more and more potential for that to be uh, to, yeah to be manipulated and to be you know uh, I'm trying to look for a word that's not fake news but you know I mean that's but it is and, and that's a scary that's a scary thought that that it's completely within the realm of possibility and capability that someone can make I mean, it's already to the point where, I mean, with things like Facebook, you can, you know, people can hack your profile and pretend to be you and make a separate profile that like matches yours and sit there and say horrific things. I mean, I watched, I watched a crime show the other night where some, some, uh, lady like had that happen and she was, you know, had to get the police involved to help, help secure her because she was basically terrified for her life because these people were attacking her because of something somebody fake said. You know, and, and yeah, the fact that that is a real possibility is terrifying. Yeah, I don't know. You actually kind of just brought something up that made me think to be less scared about it because for such a long time, we didn't have access to just like the real, like we didn't even have video cameras to take, to take footage. Yeah. So now we're worried about fake footage that's been doctored. But for the longest time, we just didn't even have it. So, like, we could be e so easily manipulated. We just had to have somebody we trusted because we were never going to ever get to see it. So maybe it's not quite as bad as I think. But I think one of the interesting things we are seeing is that, like, the media is completely and totally untrustworthy now in the world that we <laughs> oh, live in. Gosh. And that's crazy. Well, because we're still in this time, you know, and, we're and it really – the world right now has really shown – the divisiveness that 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 misinformation and the bending of the information can cause and it's really it's sometimes i sometimes i think about quitting facebook just cuz you mm -hmm. go you, you go through it and you have like one person there who is like saying yeah you, know, you know that's posting this thing and it's and it's like you know no that that isn't true that didn't happen whatever and then the very next post is is someone posting like yes that did and here's the evidence and you look and you have they both are posting articles from like what are considered you know major news sources that are literally saying the exact opposite thing yeah. and that's that's it's one of those things it's like almost want to limit my my intake of information so that I am able to 
whenever I need information on some subject, go in and search for myself and find the information without having people tell me. But then again, I'd miss out on all the memes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And I think uh, I, I've thought about quitting Facebook. I think the moment that it gets too hard for me to keep my mouth shut is the moment I quit Facebook. Right now, I've learned how to to interact in a way to where I very, I just, I just, I read these things that drive me nuts. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to tell this person that they're wrong. But then I think to myself, actually, wait a second. I could be wrong. I need to find out first and make sure that I'm not stupid. Right. And so then I'm like, I don't want to do that. So I'm just not going to say anything. And that's worked for me. But I mean, even the other day, I was talking with somebody and I suggested a podcast with a person who I had appre- I had listened to and I had appreciated the yeah. the narrative that I read and heard in this podcast. And yeah. then I listened to another podcast a couple of days later and the guy on there was like, yeah, this guy is not credible. And so now I'm like, I don't know who to believe. I don't know who to believe. It's Dude, so difficult. It's, yeah. It, I mean, that's, that's the challenge. When you're flooded with information, the challenge is figuring out sifting through the information and figuring out what's good. Whereas back in you know the 1800s, whatever information you got was the information you had. Yeah. And you had to act on whatever information you had. Cause it's better than nothing. And it may not have been good information. It may have been terrible information, but it is literally the only information you had. And now we have so much information. Um, it's really handy for settling arguments though. Hear someone say, oh, you remember when that team won the championship in 2013? I was like, that's 2015. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's 2013. I pull up the, I'm able to pull, Google it. Have that information right at, right at hand. Argument I, settled. I drive Sarah nuts with that. She's like, isn't this true? I'm like, I don't think, I think so. I'm like, just Google it. Google it, Sarah. We should have already Googled it. We should, you shouldn't even ask me. Why'd you even ask me? Sometimes though. Ask Google. I don't do it. I will not search something. And the reason I do is because. I remember before you had that capability that there'd be times when me and my dad would, would I, this is a specific one. Me and my dad were on the road one time and we were talking and I don't know how we came about talking about SpongeBob, but we could not remember the name of the snail in SpongeBob SquarePants to save our lives. And, and we're just sitting there and we're trying to think of it and we're coming up with the wrong names and fi- and, and, Finally, we stop at a Waffle House. We're eating lunch. And this is good hour, hour and a half later. And I'm just like, Gary. It's Gary. And he's like, what? I said, Snail's name was Gary. And he's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and it was so rewarding that my brain finally functioned. You know, it was, it was back there like running in the background while I was doing all the other tasks. And it was just like running this search in the background. I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. I found that file. And uh, But you know, sometimes it's so rewarding to just kind of do that. but. Now we have all the information. We ha- we have information. We have an abundance of information and misinformation all at our fingertips. I know. I hate it. It drives me nuts. I can't stand it. I like, I'll tell you, there's some things I like about it, but now I'm slowly starting to simultaneously not like it. I used to love Google Maps because I was like, I, n- I don't have to know how to get anywhere. I just can type it into Google Maps. Uh, I still do that and I still love it. And I also loved Google Calendar because I was like, now I don't have to remember dates. I just type it into my calendar and then it tells me. But you rely on it. Yeah, now I've realized I rely on it. And what happens if it goes away? So I have a very funny story about GPS. Um, do you, you remember, 
you didn't hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't heard from them in years, but um, this is a hilarious story. So they lived like they lived literally in a subdivision off Hurstbourne. Mm-hmm. And we were going to go see a movie at Stony Brook Theater. So literally, they had to come out of their subdivision, turn left on Hurstbourne, drive up to the theater, turn left into the theater. Two turns once they left their subdivision. And I'm going to assume that they could get out of their subdivision without GPS. They got lost. They went to the showcase theaters that were torn down over off Bardstown Road where the new Costco is. They drove over there to the torn down theaters and they sent us a text and they're like, hey, the theater's been torn down. And we're like, like, what are you talking about, man? We're like sitting here in the lobby right now. We've all got our tickets. The movie starts in five minutes. And they had driven to the wrong theater because the GPS took them there. Oh, really? And I was thinking. That's hilarious. Because they were completely dependent on GPS to get where they were going. That a, a trip that is literally two turns and they couldn't make it. That's hilarious. I have, I'm not that bad, but I do have a funny GPS story. Um, so I was going over to TJ Edwards house and TJ, um, honestly, even now I couldn't get to his house without GPSing it. I don't go there often enough and it's far enough away to where it's outside of my mental range. So I just GPS it. And the funny thing is, is I can, I can never remember his fucking address and his address is remembrance. The name of his street is remembrance. (laughs) That's how I remember it now. Because I'm like, what the fuck is the name of street? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Remembrance. Uh, so anyway, though, so I went over to his house and um, and I'd gotten there fine, but my battery was low. Yeah. And uh, we're all hanging out and we're just chilling. And then it kind of got to be around like midday and there was everybody's like, we kind of got some stuff we, we have to do today. But if y'all want to reconvene over at Andrew's house, we can. So I left and I did some things. And, uh, so I was going to go be on my way back to, uh, Andrew's place, which is out here by us. Yeah. But I GPS how to get out this way. I'd had, I was going to have to GPS how to get home, which is ridiculous, but it was true. And also I'd ran some errands. So I had, uh, gone around and I had done a few things and now I was in this end of town. So I wasn't even in an area that I recognized. I had GPS my way to get to these stores. Yeah. And so I left and I'm on my way to Andrews and my battery dies. And I realized I don't know where the fuck I'm at <laughs> and I don't know how to get where I'm going. So I was 10 minutes into this drive and I had to turn them around and go back to where I was at, back to the stores and buy a phone charger so that I could charge my cell phone so that I could get back to my own house. It was ridiculous. Now, I mean, you know, with the invention of the GPS, I mean, I guess it started with MapQuest and, and you, you know, you had to type in your address and get your, and get your directions and then print them off. And, um, you know, but now with that, with that invention, with the the beauty of the internet at your fingertips, um, like all you need to do is to tell somebody where they need to be is give them an address. And, you know, before you would have to say, you, know, you need to turn by this thing and turn by that and turn by that. And that's just really going by the wayside. You just give them an address. And so um, this is a, this is a, uh, so my buddy Shane, he told me this story and I think it's hilarious. Um, but Shane um, was typing into a GPS to get to somebody's house. It was going to a party and, you know, Goop, 
when you're putting into Google Maps, it comes up with suggested streets. And so he clicked. He's like, oh, yeah, there it is. Clicks on it. Drives there, pulls up. And he had been told, you know, hey, come on in. The front door will be unlocked. Just come on in and, and uh, you know, make yourself at home. <clears throat> and he gets to the party a little early. And so he comes in. And there's like nobody there. He's like, well, maybe they're out back or whatever. Doesn't check. And, uh, you know, figures maybe people haven't showed up or whatever. So he sits down on the couch and he's he's brought a basketball. He's going to play basketball. He brought a basketball and he brought like some Mountain Dew. Uh-huh. And he's sitting on this couch. And he said, and this old dude just like walks down the stairs and is like, what are you doing in my, what are you doing <laughs> in my living room? And he had accidentally put like court instead of drive and he was in the wrong house but the dude's front door was unlocked so he thought he was in the right place and just walked in and sat on some strangers you're lucky you didn't die bro (laughs) you're lucky that you were not killed i know that's terrifying but i I know but it's like you know it's crazy shit happens though you're right shit happens yeah oh my gosh that is a crazy story (laughs) oh my goodness yeah he's lucky The internet's interesting. One thing I've learned from the internet and one thing I've learned just from my interactions with everything is that community is super important and having strong groups of people around you that you can trust so that you can feel confident in the information that you get from them and that it's good. Um, Or at least you can know that's not a person whose information I should listen to. So I'll just let them talk and then I'll ignore it. And you're safe and you don't accidentally end up believing yeah. the crazy words of some lunatic. The thing that frustrates me with that, and and that's one of the reasons that I say like, it's what like you said, it's one of the things where I know I, I got to keep my mouth shut, but it's, it's one of the areas that it's really difficult for me. And it's one of the things that leads me to sometimes think I need to quit Facebook is because when I recognize something is terrible information, I'm I process that out and I'm like, this person is providing terrible information. I'm not going to listen to this. But then I realize that there is a whole group of people that are going to look at that information and they're going to be like, yep, that's true. And it terrifies me because you have, you know, it's one thing if it's just something innocent or, you know, innocuous, but sometimes you have people, um, I remember that I had a, I had a cousin who, who posted a thing that, that was saying like, um, that, uh, Barack Obama was going to, um, change, change the rules to make it to where he could run for a third term. And I was like, he can't do that by himself because that is, requires a constitutional amendment because it is literally in the constitution. And she was like, well, I won't put that past him. And I'm thinking it's literally impossible for you to do that. And I couldn't keep my mouth shut. Like I had to talk to this person, even though I knew that what was going to happen was it was going to devolve into this horrific name calling incident. And that's exactly what happened. And like, that's the moments when I think, man, I just got to like, I got to ignore that, but sometimes it's so hard because I know, because like, I want to tell, I want to tell them they're wrong so that other people will see that and be like, oh, well, you know, this guy says they're wrong. Maybe there's actually some truth to that. Like I I run like the wind from those situations. (laughs) The last thing I want is to get into some type of stupid Facebook thingy 
And the reason why is because it's just a it's just a bad it's a great tool for communication in the sense that like it's great for like look at this thing that I did or look at this thing that I have or here's this idea that I came up with. Yeah. But it's not a good thing for having a discussion about that idea or having a discussion about that event. It's 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 good for presentation, but that's about where it stops. And I don't even like to present. I don't even like to post because I'm so scared. I'm so scared I'm going to say something stupid and I'm going to look like an idiot. And then I'm going to realize, because that happens to me all the time. I'll be really into something. And I'm like, man, I really like this guy. I've been listening to his podcast or I've been like, I read his book a little bit. And like, I'm interested in these concepts. And then boom, like six weeks later, I'll read something about that person. I'm like, oh, that I don't particularly appreciate this little aspect of that person. So like, I'm glad that I read his book because yeah. I, I learned something from him, but I'm glad I avoided saying something about how into him I was because then that might've maybe looked a little bit yeah, like I'm, bad. That's why the only things I post are like sports related rants Oh yeah, and, and like things about my family and my kid. Do you have Twitter? Do you have a Twitter? Cause Twitter is great for sports related rants. Isn't I, it? I do. Um, I really don't, I don't use it, I think, the way that it is intended to be used, where you, like, you know, you post your hot takes, uh-huh. you, you you post your uh, um, little bit, and then people respond to it or share it or whatever. I just go in and argue with people. Uh-huh. And so I don't use it very frequently, but when I do, that is literally all I go in to do, because... um. Yeah, I go in there and argue sports stuff with Twitter's people. a lot of that. Twitter's tw- a lot tw- of Twitter that. Twitter is a sure. lot of sports arguments. But you know, it's uh, uh, usually debates are more civil. And like every time I've had a de- sports debate in in Twitter, usually what I do is I follow a lot of like my favorite teams, and I follow some ESPN personalities that I that I like, like their takes and stuff. And I'll just you know, if they have a rotten take. I'll sit there and I'll write a thing about telling them why it's a rotten take. Yeah. And then the and then, you know, they never respond back. I'm of hoping for the not. I'm hoping for the day like one day, you know, like Joe Lunardi's like, you know what? You're right. Kentucky should be a two seed instead of a three seed. You know? Or that's you make never a fair, gonna happen. Yeah, it's never gonna happen. <laughs> but I would love it. But you know, I mean, like, that's that's all I do. It but the 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 debates are usually more civil there. Like, uh-huh. I mean, that's just, and I don't know why. That's a, it's interesting. Twitter's like compartmentalized. I think you're probably just in like a a, a more friendlier portion because I've been I've seen some Twitter things that have devolved. Oh, yeah, and it's some terrible things. Yeah, and I don't even have a Twitter. I don't even have a Twitter. I'll I'll, I'll see it on Reddit. Like that's why it's so bad because it's like the worst of the worst. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, Twitter is a place I don't I don't want to go. So my biggest thing with. I keep in touch with some friends that I don't that I don't see very often, and people that are far away. Um, and you know, I like to see. Um, I kind of, I guess, like online, you know, kind of people watch people that I know that I have acquaintances, but not people that I, you know, um, would contact. You know, not someone, but I see people, but I see like people that. You know, I had classes with in college mm-hmm. and I see them having kids and stuff. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where I like seeing that they're having good things happen in their life. I really am. You know, even though I, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of these people like 
I didn't really have a whole lot of interaction with them when I was in college. And, and, you know, we, um, are Facebook friends because we worked on a project together and they're like, yeah, I communicate primarily through Facebook or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, it's really, I, I really enjoy, I like it when other people are having good things happen in their life. I really, that's, that's all I wish for, for people, you know, like is to have good things happen in their life. And I, um, and that's why most of my posts are just about good things that happen in my life if, and when Kentucky loses basketball games. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 exactly what Facebook is good for. It's good for staying in touch with people. It's the reason I still have one. Yeah. I still have it because I get to interact with like Derek Thomas on there a little bit. He said. And uh Did you see he just uh I don't know if it was just today or but he announced that they're having a uh a baby? Oh my gosh, no! I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, dude, I got I got to reach out to him then. Yeah. So yeah. I got to holler at him. That's exciting. Yeah. So that's yeah. And, and that, that's exactly that, what it's perfect for. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, like I played basketball with Derek in in college and talk you know and talk to him, but like we never got real close. So it's not some. It's it, he's not like I don't reach. You know, I feel awkward, but like I like seeing that something. You know, that something good has happened in his life. And he's, you know, he's got a really, a lot of cool stuff happening, going on. Yeah, you can have a, it, it's the same, it's like a, it's a, a digital community. It is. And that's really cool. And that's really nice. And it's the same thing you get from like a church community, which is why I think the life song has been so important in both of our lives. Yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy. I I don't know, man. It's crazy that you've got a son. It is. It's crazy that we're in our 30s. I know. It's crazy that we're, I feel like we're in, we're living through an era that is going to be taught about in schools. And we've lived through multiple events like that in our lives. You know, I'm, you hear about the Great Depression, you know, that the Great Recession, you yeah. know, that 9 11, you know, this COVID 19. Yeah. There's a, yeah, we're 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 living through history. And you know, I mean, the previous generations have have lived through history, and and it's crazy. You know that that we are we are living through history. And now this podcast, <laughs> yeah, it will be history. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. You got anything going on you want to tell people about? This is usually at the end of podcasts, like where they're talking to famous people. They're like, tell people about the things you got going on. And they're like, yeah, you know, I got a video coming out next week. It's on Instagram and Facebook. It's going to be called uh, Dope Spot LS3. But usually the ending of these podcasts is the hardest thing. I'll tell you this. Um, I'm really excited because tomorrow, um, with everything that's, you know, we're starting to open up and we're starting mm-hmm. to be able to have gatherings um we're getting to have the we're having a lucky 13 party you know, oh for, yeah for miles instead of instead of getting to have this one year party which we had a little um you know intimate um grandparents and parents um you know and and, and like casey was there and, during and, the rona and, yeah now that we get to get to have a little bit bigger um group we're gonna have you know that party and that's that. That's the big thing going in my life mm-hmm. right now. I mean, that I'm I'm really ex- excited about that. I don't have any. I don't have any side projects. I'd love to. I'd love to be able to plug something, you know. But uh, when I come up with one, you'll have to have me back on. I right? will. 100%. Yeah, then I'll be able to plug it. 
but yeah, no, that's the big thing. That's the big thing for me. I'm so excited to to see him bury to see him bury his face in cake because I'm telling you, this is a this will come out after the after the thing. So you'll be able, but you'll see this happen at the 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 little family one. Like I've never seen a baby smash into the cake. <laughs> like they've always just kind of like like touch it a little bit and 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 like a real delicate with the cake and they don't want to smash it. I've never seen a baby smash it. And like he'll start playing with the icing and then you get a little icing in his mouth and he's like he just goes like full cookie monster on this thing. He just <laughs> buries his face in it and is literally biting chunks of cake and I'm like that's my boy. That's hilarious. Yeah. That is amazing. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. You're right, because I've been to a million of those little parties, and the babies are always extremely timid. Yeah, and but. he is uh, he is anything anything but he is uh, a little daredevil, and he is, um, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I really, I really, I really think there's going to be he's he's going to be the type of child that you you go to the ER with broken bones cuz he he is not afraid of anything oh, like gracious. he loves he loves that type of stuff he loves he loves it when you when uh I'll um like lower him down like I'm pretending to drop him and takes his stomach away anything like that swings anything he loves all that and you think most kids it's like terrifying and he just he just gets the biggest grin from that stuff he he loves it. So um, has he seen much fireworks or anything like that? Is he are you guys gonna do fireworks since it's like the fourth of July weekend? We gotta see if there's a um show that we can kinda um get access to, see. Um he's not seen anything like that. Yeah. Um so I would love to. I mean, um you know, usually we would go to a bats game and watch the Fourth of July fireworks down there, but you know they're not playing. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's uh, it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing. I would really, um, I really hope we're able to to find somewhere that's doing it. Something I need to do, just search it and see if we can find something to to do it. But it, it's an experience that I would love for him to be able to have. I imagine it would be very exciting for him to have it. Yeah, I'd probably be terrified. He's probably gonna just like cry. Because it's loud noises. That's what I was curious about. Because you were saying he's a daredevil. And the loud noises, we've been having a lot of people blow off fireworks the past couple of weeks. And they've been freaking Winnie out. <laughs> and I'm, and there's been a couple of years that we did fireworks out front where our neighbors who had young kids were like, can you guys like cut yeah. it off around like 9.30, yeah. 10 o'clock? But there were some people not too far from us the other night shooting off fireworks at like 2.30 in the morning. Like big cannons. Like yeah. kaboom. And I was like, man, if... My friends who had kids, they will be pissed right now. Well, that is one thing that uh, to toot my own horn a little bit. That's one thing I think we we either got lucky or we got right because my child sleeps like a rock <laughs> through anything. I mean, last night we were up till almost one preparing um, food and things for his party, and dude. There were massive explosions. I thought, like, they were loud enough that you would have thought someone th- threw a hand grenade in my front yard and there was going to be a crater in my yard. And didn't flinch. Didn't even whimper. Like, he <sighs> is just flat asleep. And I was like, yeah, that's good. Well, I'm glad to celebrate his 13-month anniversary of life tomorrow. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you coming and doing this. Hey, I loved it. It was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. And the time flies. 
Oh, absolutely. It's crazy. All right, well, you did the group podcast the other day. I would love if you would be interested in doing another poop group podcast in the future, getting you guys <laughs> in the act or a poop podcast. <laughs> we could do a poop podcast too. <laughs> oh, that was funny. You got to leave that in. <laughs> I won't take that out. <laughs> All right, brother. I'll talk to you later. All right. Love you. Love you too. Bye. All right, guys and gals, there it is. That's another podcast in the books. Matt was a wonderful guest. It's kind of funny to think that this curly-haired little blonde boy that I remember from my childhood would grow up into such a thoughtful and interesting man. I really appreciated the conversation that we had. I hope you guys were able to take something from it as well. If you guys enjoyed our conversation as much as I did, head over to the Facebook page. Check out Just Friends Podcast. There's a page, and there's also a group. If you're a listener of Just Friends, you can request to join the group. Or maybe you're cool, and you're already a member. Head over there. You know I made an ad for Matt. Say something nice to him. Let him know you love him. Let him know you appreciate him. From there, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump over the website, justfriendspod.com, where you can check out the merch. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast listening site. You'll be able to listen to the newest episodes of the show. You can learn a little bit more about my motivations and why I got started, what I'm trying to do with the podcast. And you'll find links to the Patreon page where you can support the show and become a patron. I currently have five patrons. They're the coolest people in the whole world. I've said their names before, but I'll say them again. Tim Higdon, Ben Risen, Emily Berry, Ryan Ray, and Emily Brown. Gods and goddesses among men, I must say. And then guys, I guess the last thing I can ask you to do is just share the show. If you think there's somebody out there who would appreciate what we've created here at Just Friends, do them a favor and make sure they hear it. You'll be doing me a favor as well. Guys, I appreciate you all. Thank you all so much. Thanks to my patrons encouragement to you guys out there who are considering becoming patrons i would really appreciate it and everybody else i love you all i hope you have a fantastic week take care of yourselves as always i look forward to seeing you all next week when we'll have another great episode of just friends until then bye